Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 94 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of the show. Happy New Year, and thanks for taking time out of your week to spend with us. You can follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at JustinHughes365. And you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. You can also join our Facebook group, Baseball365. It's definitely been a busy week in there with all of the news, plus a lot of draft and hold leagues that are being created with members in the group. I know I set one up this last week, and other members are doing the same. And we've just we've had a nice flux of um, new member requests this last week. I think a lot of people are starting to turn their attention as fantasy football is coming to an end. People are starting to turn their attention to baseball, and we've definitely seen a um, jump in the new members as of late. All these plugs do have links in the show notes, so if you need any of those links, you can open up the show notes down there and you can find them. On tonight's episode, we are going to talk about the Padres' busy week. I have some poll questions that I put on Twitter this week, most of them involving all these transactions, and I'm going to ask Andrew those same questions. And then we're going to talk about some deep sleepers for bench slots for draft and hold leagues. And I guess some of these could actually be good bench players for redraft leagues also. So let's get Andrew on. Andrew, it is officially 2021 now. We're in the new year. And just looking back, what do you think you'll remember most about baseball from this past year? I think it just has to be the shortened season and like the the initial shock knowing that it wasn't going to start on time. Yeah. That'll always be I still remember that day. It was March 12th. It was a Thursday. March 11th, I think, was when they shut, or it was when they shut the NBA down. But um, it was a Thursday, and I was sit, I was off. I was at home, and the Jays were playing the Pirates. Pearson was on the mound, and it was almost like, why are they even playing this game? Because mm-hmm. you knew they were stopping everything, and that just sticks out in my head vividly. Like, oh my gosh, it's <laughs> it's not gonna. We're not. This is gonna be the last baseball game I'm gonna watch for a while. You know. And, Four plus months later, they started up. But yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's what I'm going to remember, really, as sad as that is. But I'm glad we got what we got, you know? So yeah, I'm definitely, I think that's the right answer that most people, I shouldn't say, there's not a wrong answer, but I think that's going to be the answer most people come up with. Just the shortened season. I think I'm going to remember a lot right there with it the owners and players squabbling in the summer leading into the games as trying to figure out what I think that'll I'll remember that more than I'll remember who actually won the World Series the Dodgers winning it and the playoffs the exciting playoffs that they were but um you just answered a question for me you just said March 12th and my wife asked me earlier today when we were in Nashville and I was in Nashville when that happened for her work she had something going on and I'm like I think it was either March 11th or March 18th I know that's when everything shut down and I couldn't remember yeah. which week it was so you just answered that for me yeah, it was March 11th was that night when the NBA and then they just everything mm-hmm. kind of just happened. It was NCAA tournament and baseball, all that was the next day. So it was a depressing week and it began a very I mean, it just it changed the year for so many people. It 
in so many different ways. So. I have a I have a weird memory for dates. I can remember dates for all sorts of stuff that I shouldn't remember, but Oh, I thought you had another one you were about to say. Yeah, I'm No, no, nothing but I mean there's just all kinds of things in the past that I'm like, oh yeah, and I can tell you what date it was. It's just weird. I don't know why. I'm the I'm very similar in that way. My wife goes to me for remembering when anything happened. That's why she asked me when yeah. we were in there because she was thinking that we were in Nashville in April. I'm like, uh, no, and <laughs> I'm like, I can promise you it was in March. Promise you, because that's when everything shut down. It happened in March. Baseball was shut down, and honestly, that's what goes through my head. I'm like, yeah, that's when spring training was down and then we all that stuff so yeah all right well let's get into the news andrew and while 29 teams seem to be sitting quiet there is one team out there making all of the moves and that's the san diego padres we'll start off with the first big trade and that was the padres acquiring blake snell off of tampa for right-handed prospect pitcher luis patino catcher francisco mejia and two other prospects so we're going to be talking about the Padres enough here. So let's start with the Rays. They were just in the World Series less than three months ago. Now here they are trading Blake Snell, and that's after declining the option for Charlie Morton. I know the Rays are playing on a low budget, and they've done this stuff before, but not right after being in the World Series. Their window seems right like it's right now. So Andrew, my question, what are the Rays doing? Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, they just play the game so much differently than everybody else. And uh, you can argue it's gotten them where it's it's gotten them, you know. They've had a lot of success with low payroll and kind of do things their own way. Um, definitely feels strange. I I don't hate the return. I mean, Snell is obviously the best player in the deal by a lot, but... Um, they got some talented pieces back and I think it's just kind of their way, you know, like we're going to just collect these guys and build up, you know, have as much talent as we can. I mean, they're young guys that they got and, um, Snell's been, I mean, Snell's really good and he's up and down though. So it's kind of like, you know, you inconsistency and you never know when a guy like that goes South a little bit and then it starts looking good. So, I don't know. It is weird off of a year like that, especially, but they've um, they've been good for a little bit, too. And making the World Series is somewhat random. So it's it's strange, though. It, it's definitely strange. You know, looking into this and I spent some time looking into Blake Snell's contract, it doesn't surprise me now. And I would bet that the Rays even knew that they were going to two years ago, they were likely going to be trading him this off season because when they signed him to that extension, it was five years, 50 million from 2019 to 2023. And it was, they, they still owe or Blake Snell is still owed 40 of the five fifty million. It was 5 million for each of the first two years. And it's 11, 13 and 16 million. 16, the next three yeah. million next three years. I think this was actually their plan the whole time. And you're still, you know, that's a very friendly contract. Even right now, 40 million for three years out of Blake Snell. And you're going to get a good return back for it. So I, I can't help but wonder if this was their plan the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Very well could have been. I mean, 
they're a really smart organization just the way they do things it's it's kind of like one of those things you feel like you always second guess it but you look up and they're always pretty good so yeah it's hard to second guess it sometimes so the first poll question i posted on twitter this week that i was going to ask you is blake snell an ace and before i give you the results i want to hear your answer to that well i mean everybody has their uh different interpretation of what an ace is i guess i i personally wouldn't put an ace like a true ace label on that many pitchers so i'm gonna say no um i think that there's probably off the top of my head without actually naming names 10 to 12 guys i would call that and that's about it so he wouldn't be in that group but he's not far outside i mean he's he's a good pitcher but not an ace for me yeah Uh, i think he's capable of being a very good pitcher that actually yeah, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's exactly what I meant to say, too. I think he's capable in a given year of being one, but I just don't consider him one, I guess. If he was a little more efficient, I think he could be. I just yeah. think that's his problem, is he does not get deep enough into games. I think we've discussed this before, but he doesn't have a um, quality start in the last two seasons, and that hurts him in terms of that. And... um I do want to bring up one listener question that we had at the that I posted today, just asking for listener questions. And Wally Ikebel Keta, I always struggle with that name whenever any time I ever ask any of his questions. He asked where we'd rank Blake Snell in NL only formats, and I'm going to change that slightly and just ask it this way: Does his value go up in your mind going from Tampa Bay to San Diego? Not really, no. Um, maybe, maybe very slightly, but, um, 17th starting pitcher off the board in NFBC through 74 drafts right now. Um, I probably would have had him right around there, maybe a couple slots lower. Um, no, I don't think I'm moving him up ahead of really any of the guys that I would have had him behind. So I'm going to say no, but I think that if this makes any sense, I think it makes more sense to move him up a little than to move him down in San Diego. I do, you know, I guess I could side with that over the opposite. So, yeah, I'm not jumping him up much, if at all. I don't know if I'm jumping up him up in rankings as much. And I do want to state, I think, Andrew and I both are on the boat of feeling wary of him or neither one of us are big fans of his ADP at 52. Not saying it's terrible, but I don't think either of us are looking at him there. Right. Am I right saying that? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, for me, it's more, it's not really as much about the team, you know, like Tampa's good. San Diego's good. It's just more with him. Like I feel like his uh, performance has been extremely inconsistent over the last few years. And I feel like that the innings are, they're just kind of all over the place. Like I don't really feel confident that I know what I'm getting. I feel like best case scenario season out of Blake Snell is going to be awesome or really good. You know, like I do think that, but uh, that's a best case scenario season and a, and a worst case scenario season, I, I think could be kind of ugly. So 
Uh, yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of volatility given his draft price and stuff like that. Yeah, and I'm with you. But I do feel a little better. Uh, again, like I said, I would feel like there would be more reason to go up because I do believe San Diego, he will get to throw more pitches. Like, he won't get yanked quite as quickly yeah. as he would in Tampa. Yeah. And, of course, going from playing in the AL East to playing in the NL West, even though there are the Dodgers and playing pitching at Colorado, it's still a better environment than the AL East. So I think those two yeah. things are pluses, but I'm not moving them up. I just might be more likely to feel comfortable. Ta- I might, if I really missed out, maybe I would give a little more consideration to taking them. I probably still wouldn't at that 52 ADP. Okay, um, let's move on here. Unless you got anything else to add. No. Okay. No, I'm, that's pretty much it. The next day, the Padres kept busy. First, they reached an agreement with Korean infielder Hai Seong Kim. I could totally be butchering that. Just took a quick shot. Haven't heard anybody say it yet. The reports are that the deal, I think, is like four or five-year deal. I, I think I heard it was $28 million, actually, after I wrote these notes. Um, Kim had a slash line that was over 300, 400, 500 in Korea this last year with 28 uh, home runs and 21 stolen bases. You know, just doing some quick digging on him, I, I was reading on Roto World that some are questioning how he will handle the high velocity in the big leagues. But it does look like this moves Kim to second base and leaves 2020 breakout Jake Cronenworth without a starting job now. So a lot of fantasy players are loving this landing spot for Kim. But Andrew, I've heard you with a slightly different take on this. Why don't you explain what that is? Yeah, it was uh, it was twenty eight million, by the way. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I I like the landing spot somewhat. I mean, I I think that the natural reaction is to look at this and be like, oh yes, the Padres, perfect, awesome team, that's so fun, you know, Tatis, Manny, Fam, Hosmer, all these guys, good lineup. He's gonna fit right in, and it's great. Um, Grisham too, didn't name him, but, um, I, I kind of also think about playing time and where they're going to hit in the lineup. I mean, I think that there's a pretty good chance that he's not going to hit near the top of the lineup. And, um, I just think that impacts counting stats. I also feel like when you're on a good team, I mean that it's all good until the slumps start happening. And then, you just never know how long a team is going to put up with it as opposed to being on a team that's not quite as good. I think the Padres are really good, obviously, and this helps them out. Um, but just things I'm thinking about, you know, maybe he's hitting sixth, seventh in the lineup. Maybe he's hitting eighth. How much does it translate all those things? But, you know, and if, if he comes over and is on signs with a team that's not quite as good, I mean, maybe some, there's less of those questions, even though it's – not as sexy or whatever you want to call it, you know? So um, just not trying to throw cold water on it. I just feel like it's uh, kind of a wait and see thing for me a lot because I just, I don't know how it's going to translate. I think there's probably a world where, you know, if you combine a hot start out of Kim and a cold start out of Grisham, that he gets to the top of the lineup, in which case it's beautiful because, I mean, he could just go nuts, but there's a lot that has to happen there for all those things to trigger. So just things to keep in mind. But overall, I think it's fine. You know, I just I guess I'm not the wasn't uh, 
the most excited guy like everybody else when I first saw it because I'm thinking about all those other things. I'm trying to see right now where he's going. Have you heard anything about where he's going in drafts right now? Because well, I can't find anything Well, I know in, in, my, excuse me, in my first draft, he went in round 23. And in my second draft, he went in round 10. Whew. And it's obviously um, closer to round 10 now. I don't have the exact spot in front of me, but I'm pulling it up. Um, I want to say that it was round 10-ish, though. Yeah. I just 190, tried to... 193 is his ADP on NFBC right now, which would be round 13. Okay. Um, that's going to probably go up, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I was so, trying to look at it over the last week while you were just talking, and I could not find him, so I I couldn't get there. But I'm, I I know his, his, people are going to be aggressive on him. I mean, when you see 28 home runs and 21 steals in 128 games, you're going to dream on that because that obviously Korea playing in the states is different. And I'm not saying that yeah that you should be buying that. I don't think I I don't know how comfortable I feel with it. Just hearing about people questioning velocity in the big leagues and i'm like man there's so much more velocity over here that if there's that yeah. problem if there's that question with scouts i'm definitely nervous about over the shot. last over the last about 12 days i just did he's going at 164 11 with round. a mint 11th round yeah end of the 11th like 11 12 turn and the earliest is 131 so that would be round nine, nine. yeah Okay. So if you so, want him, yeah, I think to... that's gonna. I think that's gonna keep moving up. Actually, I I agree. I could see him getting into like round eight, round nine, somewhere in there, like consistently. Um, a lot of it'll depend on once players report and stuff, how he's looking and all that. But this is the type of guy that hype can really build, you know. And I'm kind of one where I'll probably pass judgment you know, a month or two into the season. I probably won't get him in redraft, but that's okay. So anyway, after that, the Padres still weren't done. Uh, 24 hours after acquiring Blake Snell, a couple hours after acquiring Kim, the Padres acquired Cubs ace, Hugh Darvish, and catcher Victor Caratini for pitcher Zach Davies, Reginald Preciado, Owen, and I have some other prospects, Owen Cassie, Israel Mania, and another one, I'm not, Yison Santana, probably butchering some of those. The Padres are reco- reportedly covering covering something like 59 of the 62 million owed to Darvish over the next three years. And because of that, they didn't have to give up their uber elite prospects in the deal, like a Gore or, um, oh shoot, who's the other one? Abrams. Abrams, thank you. Andrew, I personally don't understand this one. The Cubs are still contenders in the division, and Darvish is pitching at an elite level. I just feel like this is a tough time to be selling because there aren't many people out there buying. I don't like this on their end. But I also know from seeing comments from you that you're not as negative about this as I am. And this is your team, so you should have more of a take on this on this show. So let's hear your thoughts. Well, I I get it. I mean, like... It's not a crazy good return. I am happy to hear that um, they're covering covering the money or a lot of the money because 
when I saw the return, that was kind of one thing I thought, I'm yeah, like, man, they better, they better be covering the money, you know, cause if not, then it's, it looks worse, obviously. Um, but no, I just, I had made the comment, you know, I think sometimes with these trades, I mean, obviously it's mostly prospects besides Davies. Uh, I think sometimes when you get a lot of prospects in a deal like this, people that aren't real familiar with them, they tend to hate the trade more. Um, these guys are mostly far away, especially Preciado and Mena, who I think have the highest ceiling of the guys. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm kind of realistic with the Cubs right now. I don't feel like that they're, uh, real contenders, I guess. I, I, I know that they won the division and I also know that it's a four team race that, they were kind of fortunate to win and um, I don't necessarily expect them to just keep winning the division going forward, even before a move like this. So I don't know. It, I see both sides of it though. I do get like, maybe they should have gotten some more. So, you know, what's crazy is even after this deal, I think they can still win that division. If they stopped making moves yeah. right now, it sounds like they may continue selling this off season. And that may not be the case a month, two months from now. But I think that division's pretty open, even with this move. Um, when you say you didn't, you don't see contenders. You're mostly meaning for the in the playoffs, or are you thinking? Well, I, yeah, I just don't like you know. If you were to ask me where the Cubs rank among Major League Baseball teams right now, I think they're a little above average. Like I, can, if I, I agree was, with that. You know, going from 1 to 30. I mean, I'm just realistic about it. I don't think that they're going to win the World Series again. I like, They've been going basically down since they won it. I mean, they went to the NLCS and then made the wild card game and then missed the playoff. You know, they made the playoffs last year with the extent expanded and would have anyways. But um I don't know. I just don't view them as true contenders. And maybe part of that is because I know how good the Dodgers are. And I know that the Padres are on the way up and they're not in the division, but you get it. You know, there's just a lot of teams around. The Braves are really good. And um, I don't know. It's it's kind of tough when you're like in you don't really want to be in the middle. And I kind of feel like that's where they are with no moves. So it's kind of time to go, try and go one way or the other. And I don't know. It might be a tough next few years, I feel like, as a Cubs fan, but they want it, so, you know, you just deal with it. I do understand that last part. You know, the Cubs, things were looking rough for them eight, ten years ago, and Theo came in and completely tore it down, rebuilt it up, built a contender there for three or four years. And one of my, as a Cardinal fan, my fear right now as I look at this team and what they're doing is they keep staying in the middle. Like, they're not able to make the big moves to go out there and get them over the top. They're not they're not making smart financial moves, and instead it's just keeping them in the middle. So I do understand where you're coming from there. Yeah. Um, let me ask a couple more polled questions then, um, just from your perspective. Which fan base would be should be more upset right now, Cubs or the Rays? I don't know. I guess... Since I'm not that upset, I'm just going to say the race. <laughs> but I know that the 
the result of that poll was overwhelming Cubs. And it was on Twitter too. I don't have the Facebook one. I just have my Twitter one open. But um, and I forgot to say, Blake Snell is he an ace? Sixty nine percent was yes, um, compared to no. Wow. And wow. yeah, I know. I, and I'm with you. I I don't consider him an ace. I consider him just outside. And which fan base should be more upset right now? Seventy eight percent were Cubs over Rays in that one. And man, I don't. I'm I'm. I'd be upset if I was both. I think. But I I understand the Cubs. I understand both of them a little bit. But the Rays, I forgot to ask this to you. Do you know the Rays rotation right now? Can you? How many of the members can you name? Um, You're a smart baseball guy. Let's see how many you can get. Well, Tyler Glass now is one. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> is uh, Ryan Yarbrough in there? Good. Whoever I asked this to the other day, they couldn't even I remember mean, him. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they obviously just do so many weird things with the opener. It's like yes. always a tricky thing. That's and yeah. I'll just quickly name them from here. You got the first. Yeah, two. I was, I was gonna. I know Fleming was in there yep. for a while last year, but I don't. He's there. Know if he's there. And then um, Michael Walker. Walker. Yeah, I was actually just <laughs> thinking him, but I didn't know if he's slated in their rotation. And Trevor Richards. That's their one through five right now. Oh boy. Yeah, like I, I think Patino can get in there. Yeah, I agree. Honey, Honeywell, maybe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So they've got some names that could get in there. It just it's weird looking at that compared to what they've been the last few years. Anyway, we already talked about the Rays. My other poll question: Will the Padres make the World Series in the next five years? Yes or no? Obviously, that's a prediction. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, 68% were with you there. Actually, 69. It was 68.9. Said yes, and 31 said no. They've got to. Just because, mostly because I think that they'll be hanging around, and I Mm -hmm. just, you know, like in it or in the the mix, like, you know, in the next Mm -hmm. five years, probably every year. I agree. um, You would just think that, you know, one out of five, you can get there, so. Let's hope the Dodgers can go down at some point just to see them <laughs> yeah. there. That's not even how I Dodger will say I, I still, with all these moves, I don't know where everyone else is at on it, but I still don't think they're as good as the Dodgers. I don't either, but it's they're closing the gap. They're getting there. Yeah, they're closing it. Yeah, they are. And this is their time to try. But it's it. a gap. It's a gap. So you got to try yeah, at some point because the problem yeah. is the Dodgers, it just doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. I know. I know. So you just got to um, take your shot. I hope that they can really make it a good rivalry because to me a rivalry is kind of when it goes back and forth a little mm-hmm. bit and it just hasn't so far, but it could. Yeah, they're definitely on their way up. Yep. Okay, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we've got some super deep sleepers to go on. All right. Well, Andrew and I each have come up with six deep sleepers 
uh, we are we each select two that have an ADP anywhere between 300 and 450. So in a 15-team league, that would be in the 20s. And then two each from 451 to 600, that'd be the 30s in the rounds. And then 600 plus, so basically end-game players in a draft-and-hold format, probably not even being drafted in regular redraft leagues. So, Andrew, I'm going to have you start this off. Who is your first guy that you got? For the in for from three hundred to four fifty. Yeah, so what I did for each of these groups is I just did um, one pitcher and one hitter for each one as we kind of go down. Uh, but my first guy ADP of three forty nine, so I guess that would be around like twenty three. Is that right? Twenty four. Yeah, yeah twenty nine. Yeah. And he's gone higher in both of my drafts so far. I haven't gotten him yet, but that'll be uh, Yusei Kikuchi. Mm. for the um seattle mariners uh last year ex- increased his swinging strike percentage from 8.8 percent to 12.1 percent his era was 517 which obviously isn't pretty but the fip was 330 and he uh increased his fastball velocity from 92.5 to 95 um and with the swinging strike rate you know his swinging strike rate was higher than Frankie Montas, Julio Urias, Jose Barrios, Hunjin Ryu, uh, Max Fried, Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn. Like, a lot of good pitchers. Uh, doesn't doesn't get a ton of guys to chase yet, but he's getting more swings and misses on pitches in the zone. And I just think he's one of those guys, you know, he's slotted second in their rotation. I feel like he's got a steady job like he's not going anywhere as far as like losing his job because seattle's like bad enough right now still you know that he's not going to be at risk of any of that and i just feel like he got pretty unlucky last year round 24 i like him quite a bit yeah yeah i like that one a lot when you look at his 2019 and 2020 you you brought up to me during the season about his uptick in velocity and when you look at the metrics, like he, he, it was bad in 2019, 5.46 ERA, six strikeouts per nine, uh, that 5.46 ERA came with a 5.18 XFIP. So that's saying that, yeah, he was bad. And the metrics are a little better whenever you look at just the underlying stuff for 2020, nine st- strikeout per inning walks were high at 3.83, but his 5.1 ERA came with a 3.78 XFIP. And that right there shows, yeah, he had a lot of bad luck on him. I ended up picking him up in a dynasty during the season. And, yeah, I'd like to get him in some draft and hold shares. I didn't get him in my first one either, but I'd hope to at some point. Yeah, I think I I think I think traded for him last year in three out of my four dynasty leagues, or yep. at least two. I know at least two, but I think three, yeah. So, yeah, happy to have him. I just think he's underrated right now. Yeah, he's only 29, too, so... That's a good age for arms, I think, in terms of they're usually not going to be babied too much, and but they've got some, and they've usually built up some stamina by then. Yeah. Uh, my first one's Colton Wong, ADP of 368. Uh, Colton has not been a stat cast darling for a couple of years now as I was digging into him. Uh, he did have a nice 2019 season, hitting 285 with a 361 on base, 11 home runs, 24 steals. 2020 wasn't as good, hit 265 with only one home run and five steals. Wong isn't a great player, but I do think he can be a player who can finish with around 10, 15 home runs and steals 
in 2021. And I think he's a fine middle infielder to take out at the end of a snake draft if you wait on that position. He's he's always been pretty good at taking walks. So there's a decent chance that wherever he signs, he's going to hit near the top of the lineup. I personally think that that's going to be the guy the Cardinals re-sign right now. Yachty's out there. Wong's out there. Wainwright's out there. I think Wong's going to be the one that ends up coming back, and he's hitting near the top of that lineup. But even if he went elsewhere, I just think that his ADP's shoved down because of his um, worst season this last year, but also the fact that he's a free agent. I think it'll go up a little once he signs. So if you're waiting on him, middle infielder, that's a guy to take. I took him as my middle infielder when I waited at my last draft, and I might do the same thing in this one. Yeah, yeah, I like that call. I actually remember being in a spot in my last draft where I was like, oh, yeah, kind of wait on Colton Wong here, and he wound up going. I I think that was the one I took Cesar Hernandez. I had them two kind of yeah. close, but, yeah, I um I like the call. I like him as middle infielder, too. I think it's, like, kind of the right skill set, and like you said, on-base skills could hit at the top of a lineup, whatever lineup that is, you know. We'll see, but, yeah, good call there. Okay, who's your second? My uh, so my second one is um, Adam Eaton. Mm-hmm. He's uh, I mean this is the latest I can ever remember Eaton going, and for and for good reason. I mean three ninety one is his ADP right now. I looked it up since the day he signed. It's actually three thirty four, so it's moved up, or yeah, since he signed with the White Sox. So about he's moved up about four rounds since um, last year. He was beat up, knee and back issues. Uh, but in 2019, which, you know, just two seasons ago and obviously just before the short season, he finished as the number 30 outfielder on the Fantrex Player Raider. And he's right now being drafted as the 97th outfielder. Two, 279 average, 15 homers, 15 steals, 103 runs, and 49 RBI that year. Obviously now... Goes to a great offense, could hit near the top of it. Um, I think roster resource right now has him hitting second, which we'll see on that. But mm-hmm. that's obviously a really cozy spot in that lineup. And I just feel like in round 25-ish, whatever it is, that it can't hurt you much. I mean, last year he was going, I want to say, in round 12 to 15. and Yep. Hurt a little bit, but uh, a lot of that I just think was due to injury. And it, it's also one of those things, it's like he was pretty bad last year, but I feel comfortable blaming it on some of that stuff because he's kind of been a consistent performer before that on base skills and stuff like that. So I just kind of trust him to do what he does. And, you know, maybe if it's if it's the age and he just keeps declining, that'll, that'll go south. But I think that's really the only way that it does because he's obviously got a lot of good hitters around him. So. I like him in this spot this year. I'll probably be owning him some. I've got one one uh, share of him so far. I'm, I'm one for one so far in redraft leagues and getting him. And, yeah, I love that pick. I didn't pick him, but he definitely is on my targets in the 20s. Um, My second one's Casey Mize, ADP of 349. Uh, Mize, famously, the former number one overall pick just a few years ago who did struggle in his first brief run in the majors. He was beaten around in his first seven starts, only made it five innings once. Almost everything you look at isn't pretty on him. Statcast data, fan graphs data, whiff rates, spin rates, nothing was good on, on, on any of those. 
But he is a former first, former number one overall pick. The pedigree is there. And this happens with pitchers. You get away with throwing pitches in the minors. And when you get to the bigs, you start throwing those same pitches and um, batters are depositing him 400 feet. And you have to make adjustments. And maybe he gets beaten around again this next year, or maybe he makes those adjustments and starts excelling. I think either one is very possible. But at an ADP of 349, which is the beginning of the reserve rounds, I'm gl- I'll be glad to take a shot because in redraft leagues where you can just cut him and pick somebody else up early in the season, I think that's an even better pick. But I'll still give plenty of consideration in draft and holds also. I just think there's a lot of upside there if he does make those adjustments. Yep, I like that one too. I took him in the middle of round 25 in my last draft. So it was that. like round three or 368, I think it was. What did you say his ADP? It was 349. So 349. Yeah. yeah, a little bit behind that. But yeah, I, um, he should get his opportunities on that team. You know, they, they still shouldn't be very good. I mean, they've got some nice young pieces that are kind of getting acclimated and stuff, but he's a big part of their future. And guys like this, it's, it's, I feel like you kind of have to ignore some of the stat cast data and stuff. Cause it's almost like when it clicks, it's just, I feel like it could be really good. So, and again, it's with a lot of these guys, it's the price tag too. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're not, you're not investing that much to get these guys on your team and, kind of see what happens yeah if if he was going in the 16th 18th round i'd be i'd be feeling the exact opposite but it's his price is like okay at that price i'm in yeah for sure okay let's move on to the 450 to 600 range who's your first guy so my first guy i'll do my uh pitcher first he barely actually made it into this group he's ADP of uh, 454, and that is Clark Schmidt of the New York Yankees. Oh, yeah. Uh, first round pick in 2017, made a brief debut last year in 2020, only like six and a third innings pitched. Plus fastball, 70 grade curveball, um, and the Yankees rotation. I think this is the biggest sticking point with me is the Yankees rotation after Garrett Cole is Jordan Montgomery, Davey Garcia. Michael King and Domingo Herman. Oh my word. I think I think we can all agree that there's question marks all over the place there. So and not that Schmidt isn't one. He he is on some level because he's young and unproven stuff like that, but he's a good prospect. He's been good in the minors. Um he'll be managed this year. He he only threw 90 innings in 2019, but I just think the innings that he could provide should be good or at least have a chance to be good. And I think he's going to get the opportunity. Like I said, it's round 30 or so. So um, I am excited about his future short-term and long-term too, but um, I think he's going to get a shot this year. What's nice looking at that. Cause my first thought is, well, the Yankees are going to go out and sign some guys. They could go that, out and sign some true, guys and, yeah. and that still doesn't matter. I mean, Jordan Montgomery could pitch yeah. his way out of the rotation. Debbie Garcia may not hold up. None of those guys, I feel like, are a lock outside behind Garrett Cole to even stick. To where, yeah. even if they go out and sign two or three pitchers the, this offseason, yeah, there's there's a place for them. Yeah, there should be a spot. I, I do expect them to sign somebody, but there should be a spot. 
Okay, well, I'll do my next one, and that is Roberto Asuna, 509 ADP. And I will tell you now, this could be a wasted pick. And you don't want to make many wasted picks in draft and hold leagues, especially in, even in the 30s. But I took a shot at, on him in something like the 37th round of my first draft and hold. I may be off a round or two. I didn't go look it up. But just know, again, he may not throw a pitch this year. He has a partially torn UCL. But so does Masahiro Tanaka since 2014 is whenever that happened with him. And Asuna's going to try to pitch, and if he stays healthy, he could return to being a top-five closer. And to me, that's worth the risk at this price. A lot of prospects go at this point who have similar risk of not even playing at all but some upside. I'll take, the guy, I'll take this guy who I know can be a top-tier reliever if he's able to keep that ligament intact. But again, you may not. Uh, there's a pretty, pretty good chance you don't see a pitch. Yeah, I'm really, I know we talked about this. I'm really curious to see who signs him or you know mm-hmm. takes that shot I'm just I'm just curious cuz I do agree with you I think that you know if he's healthy I mean or if he's not necessarily healthy cuz it's it's tough you know partially torn UCL is not something that you want to see on mm-hmm. on a guy but um yeah if he can hold it together I mean I don't know I pick 500 you know so it should be cheap yeah, for I like somebody it. I mean I hope you you got to there's always the chance that the Dodgers could go sign him. And yeah, that's correct, just the yeah. type of move that they do. They go get some damage, right. goods, sign him to a two-year deal, and worst case, they get him the next year. But we'll see. All right. There may, you- there, may be, there may also be a shot if they did that, that he became the closer at some point if he looked great. Jansen's you know? on the last so, year of his deal. So I mean, they're not just, married to him. I wouldn't predict that, but you know what I'm saying. So Yep. All right, my second guy in this group, um, you you called it in your uh, email, <laughs> uh, Jeter Downs. I know I kind of mentioned him on the last podcast, but all-around skill set. Uh, he's the key prospect in the Mookie Betts trade. Uh, slashed 276, 362, 526 between high A and double A in 2019 and hit 24 homers and stole 24 bases. Um, it's not so much all of that. I mean, I do like his skill set and proximity to the majors, but it's just as much that Boston currently has Hunter Renfro, Bobby Dahlbeck, and Michael Chavis penciled in at right field, first base, and second base. And I feel like those guys are just all extremely similar players that strike out a ton. I'd be pretty surprised if all three of those guys were in there consistently. I just don't see it. And I think he's the – or there's a good chance that he's the second baseman of the future. I think that's kind of how they're viewing him, especially because, like I said, he was the key piece in the Betts deal. So pick 489, um, again, it, with a lot of these later picks, I tend to always side on something I can imagine turning into better than this pick or, you know, like – typically young guys a lot of times or older guys that um, have maybe had injury issues like and bounce back from that, you know? So, um, but yeah, I just like Jeter downs, like I said, proximity and potential opportunity on that team. I mean, I think that there's a world where he's their starting second baseman. He's listed as a shortstop on pretty much every platform, but obviously with Xander there, he'll be their second baseman if he's, if he's up. So, I like him. 
for selfish reasons, I hope he's blocked by Jonathan VR. That's kind of when I think about where Jonathan VR can end up. I think of the Red Sox a lot, but yeah. I think that's a real good call. I like uh, you've mentioned that to me, and this was a Lucas Beery call, right? The, he's the one that plugged you in first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about him a lot. Yeah, it's just, and I'm just kind of, I feel like I'm just kind of starting to see the light on this kid. I mean, I I know I've mentioned in the past like how he'd been traded twice, and that is kind of weird. Like you don't really want to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, prospects that are traded twice it's just a little strange but um i think he's about to get his shot and i guess really when you get into this range of the draft and and beyond anybody that has like a real opportunity it's yep it's worth quite a bit you know yep With especially if there's especially if there's upside on top of that opportunity so yep i like it okay my second one is a guy who you just randomly or casually brought up I should say there and that's Brent Honeywell okay don't laugh everybody but honey because Honeywell has not thrown a competitive pitch in baseball since 2017 three years gone from the game he's had Tommy John surgery he's broken his elbow it's been an ugly three years and maybe he just won't stay healthy but again this guy has upside if he's finally right he expects to go into spring training on a normal schedule. He did have a cleanup surgery about a month or two ago, but they're saying that that's minor and shouldn't affect his availability for spring training. And remember, this guy was a top 20 prospect just a few years ago, pitching well in the upper minors. He would have already been promoted to the bigs if he was in just about any other organization in baseball. He's 25 now. But despite that, I, I still have questions if Tampa would consider bringing him up before Super 2, but I won't rule it out due to his age. But he probably needs to prove he can still pitch in the minors for a while anyways. We saw Tristan McKenzie just do this a lot, oh, this last year, a former top-tier pitching prospect who had been pretty absent for a couple of years, popped back up and pitched at a high level. I think Honeywell has that same chance of happening, and I'll take a stab on him in the 30s if I haven't taken a lot of shots already. I'm 0 for 1 in getting him. I didn't get him in the first one. But I, that's a guy I think could be a big pop-up player. Yeah, that's – I like the last thing you said there about the, um, you know, if you haven't taken a lot of shots, if you feel good about your innings, because obviously, like, you don't want to really go into it counting on innings from him. But then if you if you have that kind of already set up, then – have that in your back pocket and you never know. I mean, stranger things have happened. It, man, it seems like forever since he's been like out there, you know, I just feel like he was in the futures game. Yeah. What year was it? Like 2016 or 17? Probably 17. It was 17, probably 17. Yeah. It, it probably was 17. Yeah. He and Alex so, Reyes were the next two at one point. Yeah. It's, it feels like those were the two guys. Oh yeah. Everybody. And, it was Everybody was really high on Honeywell at one point, you know. Yep. Maybe, maybe they'll, maybe he'll finally be right. We'll see. I mean, it's it's hard when you've had this many injuries. We'll just see. Yeah. Okay. Now we're talking in game. Everybody after six hundred. So in a fifteen team league, this is the the forties in the rounds. Who's your first guy? Yeah. So I wanted to uh, I wanted to work in a reliever into this. So I went with Keone Kella. Yeah. Uh at pick six fifty-nine. Um 
arm issues last year basically ruined his 2020 season uh, career in 216 major league innings. He has a 324 ERA and a 330 FIP with over 11 Ks per nine. I think that he can be a real sleeper for saves because last year, I mean, just last year he was being drafted as like a mid to back end closer Mm -hmm. because people thought he was going to get the saves in Pittsburgh and then he got hurt and Richard Rodriguez wound up getting him, you know, for the most part, or at least towards the end there. But, um, I feel like there's still that in Kila. He's just had some health issues, but um, still a free agent. So kind of curious to see where he goes. I heard Boston is a possibility. And I think if if Boston signed him, I mean, he could possibly be their closer right away. So I don't know. Just a guy that I think is a good uh, late dart for some saves. And there's quite a few guys like that. He was just one that popped out that I hadn't mentioned in a while that I wanted to mention. So. No, I think that's a real good one. I think I could see a team like Miami going out and signing a guy like that and making him their closer too. Just a lower yeah. team, but if he's if he's back right again, yeah, he's a good reliever. He's always been one, and yeah, he'd be a good closer. I like it. Yeah, it's just been a lot of health issues, but mm-hmm. that's really it. Uh, my first one's boring. It's a six eleven ADP, and that's Jason Castro, the catcher who's been around forever, but. Um, He's a really good pitch framer. He's a free agent right now, and I think he could get a starting gig somewhere or at least be a part-time player. And even as a part-timer, he'll play a lot due to his defense. Again, given the catching landscape, it really wouldn't be surprised surprised me to see if he signs somewhere as a starter, even if it's like a 60-40 split somewhere. And if you're in a draft and hold and you're, you're trying to get at bats, and it's really hard to find catchers once you get past round 30 40 that can get you at bats and i do believe castro can get you some of those and you you hope you don't have to play them because your your top two starting catchers are out there playing well or maybe you've even drafted a third one and he's your fourth guy but i just think he's going really late i felt the same way last year and i took him around the same spot and i was happy i think he was with the Angels as a starter for a little bit last year, wasn't he? Am I am I remembering that right? Um, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he just always gets playing time. I And I've heard recent reports that the Cubs are interested in him, and that could be a bad thing because Contreras is there, but it, there's even rumors that he could, Contreras could be traded. So I know um, that's been shot down, but you just don't know where he's going to land. But I just feel wherever he is, he's going to play some. Yeah. Yeah, I think I took him in one of mine in like round 40 or so. Mm-hmm. So Good spot for him. Yeah, just kind of like at bats, like you said. It's boring. It's not one of these guys that's going to win your league. But it, it's just <laughs> top five catcher, you heard. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, who's your second one? So my second one is... Uh, pick 683 overall and that's Tyler Freeman uh, prospect for the Cleveland Indians uh, I think there's a I think there's a couple ways that he could get some playing time this year one is, uh, is the obvious one and that's Lindor getting traded and the other one is right now they have Yu Chang penciled in at second Wow! and I just feel like that he could unseat him too potentially so, I mean, obviously, if 
Lindor has moved, there's some semblance of a new wave coming, and I think Freeman is part of that. He hasn't played above high A, um, which obviously is a negative, but he would have last year and posted uh, he's posted WRC pluses in like the 115 to 170 range over the course of his uh, minor league career. Can hit, can steal some bases. He's nothing really flashy. I've never really liked him a lot as a prospect, but I just think that there's a possibility that he's up and playing and um, PT, you know, in this range, like I said before, kind of with downs, you know, they, if the playing time pops up, people are going to be interested. So, and I just, I think that it could in a couple of different ways, depending on, you know, Lindor, Chang, like I said, there's, there's a couple of ways that it could open up there. Yeah. I like that one. I now that you're mentioning it, I'm doing some digging. I like that. I like that call. Is, yeah, that even just as even just as like a middle infielder, you know. And I don't think he's really a star, but um, pretty good hitter, puts the bat on the ball and stuff. So you know what I, the comp I was thinking in my head of what he could be is just like a Cesar Hernandez. Is like a, if things yeah. break right, that's the type of player he could be. Yeah, not a not a game winner, not a league winner by any means, but a guy that can put the bat on the ball and chip in a few home runs and steals. I like it. Okay, uh, my last one is Taylor Trammell, 673 ADP, and something you already mentioned with one of your previous guys, you uh, about the, oh, Jeter Downs. I'm a little concerned that Trammell's been traded twice in the last two years. It was just 18 months ago. I saw him playing in AA Chattanooga with the Reds organization, and he's switched teams twice since then. But speed is hard to find, and Trammell should get a shot in 2021 at some point. He can take a walk, which will help his on-base percentage. And I remember watching that double-A game. He looked like a terror on the base pass. He definitely was a difference maker when he was out there and on base. Trammell was once a top 20, 30 prospect in fantasy. I'm going to take a stab here. I do remember when he was traded to the Padres in 2019, Back when we actually had minor league games, uh, he was in their playoff league and he made some adjustments that were people. He was wowing some people during that little playoff run right there at the end of that season. So honestly, I was a little more hopeful last off season, and I find it odd that the Padres did choose to move him in that deal to get Austin Nola. That was the deal he was traded in. Um, I'm going to take a stab though. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. I, I tell you, man, the the Mariners have so many outfielders. Yes, they it's do. Just, and when he comes just, up, uh, it's, he'd better perform quickly because of that. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. Like, all I – there's just so many guys. It, and I keep thinking in my head, Kellenic and Julio are going to have two of those spots here in the next probably 12 months or so, you know, mm-hmm. but – um yeah, I've always I've always liked Tramel. I just it's such a weird fit because there's Kyle Lewis coming off the good year and there's mm-hmm. just all these other guys. It's it's hard to see where it could fit, but it could fit. I mean, and if he's I will say with Tramel, if he's playing, I feel like he's gonna have some fantasy value because a lot of speed there and stuff. So Yep. I don't mind the call. I mean, like we're kinda said, but when you get into this part of the draft, it's almost like uh 
it's kind of hard to make a bad pick. You know, you're really just kind of shooting for something that can make you feel really good. So, yep. I and like Trammell it. does have that. He's got yeah. the upside. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, that finishes that up. I, well, you already did your two, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keela and Freeman were my last two. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got a few listener questions we're going to touch on real quick after a quick break here. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. And Andrew, I put out on Twitter and Facebook this afternoon that we were going to be recording tonight and thought I'd see if we could get some questions for us to finish off with. And I got three questions here I thought we'd touch on. And the first one, I'm going to get, give you the floor on this one, and it's from Carlos Padilla. He asks our thoughts on Andrew Vaughn and Kelnick having 450 at-bats, I'm assuming each, this next year. How are you feeling on those two? Well, I'm assuming... We're talking 162 games because I'm just gonna, of course, use that use that as the standard until we know that it's different. But yeah, I I think they're gonna get it. I I like both a lot in redraft. I've actually gotten both of them in both of my <laughs> drafts so far. Um, just comfortable where they're going, kind of in the 12 to 18 rounds, um, like 12 to 15 for Kellenic and a little bit after for Vaughn. Uh, I actually think I'm a little more confident in Vaughn getting the at-bats, but um, more confident in Kellenic's upside. So, I mean, it's I like both a lot. I'll say they both do it, but um, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's like one of those things when you're trying to predict guys that haven't come up yet when they're going to come up and sustain and play and all that, it's – it's kind of tough, but I think that they both have a fairly clear path to playing time pretty quickly. So I agree. Um, Vaughn is moving up ADPs. I should say moving up drafts. My first draft and hold. He went, I don't know, 16th, 18th round, somewhere in that range. He's jumped up to the 13th round in the one I'm in right now. I'm trying. Yeah. To, I'm trying to find Kelnick, but I feel like he's even getting. He's getting more aggressive too. Those guys are moving up boards. And I at ninth round in this one, I think both those are a little Whew. early for me, but they could definitely. Yeah, ninth off. Is, ninth is early for me on Kellenic, but I that said I want him. So. Yes. <laughs> so you're gonna say, "Damn it! Why did you take him that soon? That's too soon." <laughs> yeah. I wanted to take him. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Jeff Holbrook has the next question: What would you guys do with Otani in a daily dynasty standard format? approximately where would you start up, take him in a startup and are you buying, selling or holding in an established league? And Jeff, I don't know if you've listened cause I've actually talked about this quite a few times over the last two years of us recording. And if you're new, welcome. Thanks for listening. But, um, I definitely want to touch on this one because I have, I actually took Otani two years ago in a startup dynasty, which is a daily. So, that means I could plug him in as a pitcher and a hitter. And in a startup, I don't know if I know the exact answer, but I feel like I would still be very aggressive on him compared to most because I think at worst you're getting a hitter who's going to be a very good player. 
and has the upside of being the most valuable player if he can get out and even throw 100 to 150 innings if he ever gets that fixed. You know, he, they're still planning on him going into the year as a pitcher this year. And if everything breaks right, he could be the most valuable p- player in fantasy, even if he throws 100 good innings, just because you don't, I mean, you're getting nine categories of production. But there's also a downside that he does not, it doesn't work and he just is a hitter. But I think even then, if you have a full-time hitter out of him, you still have a very valuable player. I um, saw that he did go in a trade this offseason with some friends of mine that I know, a friend was showing me that they traded, I think Randy Arena. there was dollars involved in this one, so it's more complex, but Arena went in a deal, and Otani was on the other side, and I think I'd still one, rather... One, one for one? There were other factors in it. I oh, can't okay. remember the exacts, but we were talking about those two players versus each other in a daily dynasty league, and I'm still taking Otani well above that personally, just because I think the hitting upside is still pretty similar to what a Rosa Reina up, up can be. I don't think they're too far off in terms of what I'd project them for right now if they were both hitting. So to an- I, that's a lot of talking, and just to answer the last part, buying, selling, or holding, I'm either holding or buying. If somebody is wanting to sell him low in a daily dynasty, I'm still going to jump in because I think that, worst case, you're still getting a real good hitter with the possibility. So, and if I have him, I'm definitely holding. Like I've, I won't even entertain conversations where people are trying to talk to me about him. I mean, if somebody came with an overpay, obviously I'd listen, a first round player. But that's not going to happen right now. So hold. Do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I would hold too. Um, I think I think you're a little higher on him than me. I yeah. I wouldn't be. Um, I don't think I'd be buying, but I don't think I'd be selling. If I had him, I would just hold. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always kind of questioned and it's been right so far I mean whether it continues to be we'll see but I've just always kind of questioned his or the likelihood of him full on hitting and full on pitching simultaneously mm-hmm. I just don't really think that that's going to happen but if it does the upside is bonkers. So Mm -hmm. you have to uh, bake that in a little bit. Um, As far as where I would take, did he say where you, would you take him? Yeah. Where'd you take him in a startup dynasty daily league? I don't know. I think like round four or five, maybe. Okay. We're in the same area then. I didn't know where you were going to go, but I don't know. I, I was thinking three I to would, five. I would have to put him next to names to really know, you know, but mm-hmm. that's like my first thought. And I took him in. Um, I'll say this two year, uh, two years ago, he had just, you know, he had had Tommy John surgery and he was going to be a full-time hitter that year. And I took him in the third round of that draft, top of the third. It would specifically have to be daily. Yes. For me to take him there. I, um, I have him 100 I slots uh, lower in a weekly league. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, last one. John Carando, a longtime listener. I think he's been with us since about day one. Uh, he wants our, our, wants our opinions in the max number of dynasty leagues in general that we would play in. 
And I think that number is different for both of us. Why don't you touch on this first? <laughs> um, I don't actually know. I, I'm in four, and I commissioned three of the four. So that's kind of um, some added responsibility. You know, it's not a ton of stuff that I have to do, but it's some. And um, I don't know, the most that we I would be in probably – I could add a few more, I think. I think six, you can too. Six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. I mean, some of that would come at the expense of some redraft leagues. I mean, it's weird because it's like one of those things, you know, I don't plan on cutting any of the dynasty leagues that I'm in. So if I'm adding, I'm just adding on to what I'm already doing. It's not like I don't really believe in leaving dynasty leagues. I just unless it's just terrible, like it would have to be so bad, you know, obviously I'm not leaving the ones I'm running, but. Just saying just in general, I just don't really believe in it unless there's a really good reason. So I would say, yeah, I could I could probably join a few more. I mean, there comes a point. I, everybody has their own level of what they can handle, and it's it's just different for everybody. I mean, there's some people that play in one league, you know, and then the, and they love it, and that's great. And then there's some people that play in 20. Talking to you, Kang. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's... Um, I think everybody just kind of has their own level. I can, I feel like I can play in more leagues than most probably, but, um, dynasties kind of require an extra level of commitment that I don't think redraft leagues necessarily do because you're just in it for the long haul. So things to think about, but yeah, I could add a few more. How many, how many, before we go into that, how many actual redraft leagues are you in where you are making transactions pickups. it's gonna be it's gonna be probably more than ever this year but well the I'm, ones I'm that not I, talking draft and hold for the record that's the thing is yeah the i'm trying to kind of up those because those i really appreciated this past year how easy in-season management was with those mm-hmm. it just it's nice you know and you still get you still do the draft you still i mean it's not my favorite format just the format itself but the in-season management of it is so easy. Wonderful. And then when you when you have dynasties to kind of pair with that, it you still have to in-season manage those like a little bit more or a lot more. So, you know, having that kind of next to it is uh, kind of a good mix, I think. But I'll do a few, you know, like fab redraft leagues, but it probably won't be a ton. Uh, mine will be one this year. I run an auction league. And I wish I could find a way to just turn that into a draft and hold two. I realized that fab on Sunday night is what stresses me out about all these leagues and playing in them. Right now I'm in two dynasty leagues and I'm not interested in joining anymore at this moment. I might join another one in a year or two, but I was invited to one again just um, yesterday. I think somebody messaged me about one and I'm just like, man, I'm sorry. I'm sticking with two for now. I've, and it's because of the stage of life, having a three-year-old and Sunday comes around and I'm just doing family things. And all of a sudden I'm realizing I got to get all these fabs in. Like I was in TGFBI this last year. I'm not doing that one for now. I'll, I'll probably play in it again, but just not at this stage. 
And I, and I probably will be in three or four dynasties at some point. But for me right now, two is plenty. And it's different for everybody. It's how much time do you have to give to fantasy baseball? And dynasty is just a whole different game, as you obviously know, and most of the listeners know. You just, there's so much more. I mean, I'm spending my Christmas vacation this last week because I'm behind on a lot of the prospect stuff. I've been doing so, I've spent probably six hours this past week just reading up on prospects for subdrafts. And you got to do all that too. Which that part you can do for one. The nice part about that is you do it for all your leagues as compared to doing it for each one individually like Fab on Sundays. But so I think it yeah. more goes into Fab on Sundays than anything for me right now. Yeah, I think the best, I mean, really, just to go back to the question, I just think the best answer is everybody's different. You just yeah. have to know, you just have to know what you can manage. It's, it's fine to play in one league or two leagues and, or 15. Yeah. If that, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to do, you know, it's what I wouldn't advise is to get in over your head. Yes. And play in, um, way too many, you know, and, and we man, know, I have, we I know have people feeling, that have done it. I have a feeling that that's going to be a problem for me this year, potentially, <laughs> because I'm just having so much fun doing these drafts, but, like I said, I'm doing – they're at least draft and holds. I keep telling myself that. But, yeah, that takes two um, minutes per I'm team. typically in, like, in a normal year, I'm typically in about – I think last year I was in nine to t- nine or ten. But, like, four of them maybe were draft and holds. Mm-hmm. And then there's dynasties and stuff. So, And I feel like I can go a little bit beyond that. But what I go beyond that is probably all draft and holds. Yep. So it's – and like I said, those are, it's so easy. You just go to the team and, su- you know, you only have your team to work from, so you're just subbing guys in and out. I'll probably be in a record high number of leagues this year. I'm in two draft and holds. I bet I'm in at least two more, maybe even three. I'm just going to do one every month. So the longer they wait to start the season, the more yeah. leagues I'm going to get. Right, in. right. I was thinking the same exact thing. I've been basically doing the one a month. Like, and the two dynasties, the auction league, so that's seven right there if it's four four um, draft and holds. That'll be a record for me, but I'm not even the least bit bothered about that because four of them are draft and hold. I've only got three leagues with maintenance. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, every, it's different for everybody, and that's okay. And Andrew, next week it begins. It's time for position rankings. And it's not time for catchers. <laughs> we discussed this, and almost everybody starts with catcher, and we're not going to do that. So next week we're going to start with first base, and we're going to work our way around, and we'll get to catchers at the end. That's our plan. Yeah. Because we're we're going to rock walk to a different drum beat. I think we're going to do first base next week, and then move over to cross the diamond to third, and just go from there. That'll be fun. So we yep. get, we might sounds, get a, we might good. get to argue about Eric Hosmer a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll save it for next exactly. Week. <laughs> we'll save all that for next week. You'll see why at that point. But um, I guess Happy New Year to everybody listening. I hope you all had a great holiday season. I go back to work Monday, Andrew. I know you've been back working this week, and it's time to get back into the grind. And hopefully, we can get some baseball earlier in 2021 than we did in 2020. 
Yep. Hopefully. Yep. Should happen. We'll see. Yeah, we should. We should. And thank you all for listening. Take care, everybody. Yeah, take care. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 Podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. We'll be right back.